Before we get going with today's show, I want to thank our sponsors here at the Brentwood Bar, the Farrier Bar, I should say, at the Brentwood Hotel in Saratoga. Incredible place to stay, whether you're coming up during the meet or visiting off-season. Amazing location right by the Seven Furlong Shoot. Pretty sure one of the only hotel rooms in America where you're going to hear the clippity-clop of horses going to train in the morning. It's like a little bit of new market right here in the USA. Couldn't be bigger fans of what they are doing here at the Brentwood and the Farrier Bar. Come by, enjoy a cocktail. Uh, they even have, and this is an inside joke that will be explained shortly, they even have Jenny Cream Ale if you want to check that out. Um, speaking of beverages, though, we're also brought to you today by our friends at Jellyfish Water. Jellyfish Water doing a lot of good in the racing game. Hey, they're advertisers at the Saratoga Special. You'll be hearing about them more. They're also one of the official sponsors of the TRF Barbecue in late August. This is a great way to stay hydrated and refreshed throughout the season. You'll see me drinking it on the show, which will begin right after we play the theme music. Hello and welcome to the Brentwood. We don't have the playback in here. I wasn't sure if Ace Freely was done or not yet. So I, that's that's why I look confused there, Marcus. <laughs> Peter Thomas Fornital, very happy to be back with you at the Farrier Bar here at the Brentwood and really tickled to be joined by a friend. In a way, you have him to blame for everything I've done in racing because he gave me my first paying gig and also really helped um, just... I don't know if I want to say indoctrinate or corrupt, or but a huge part of my racing fan origin story is due to this man right here. You may know him for many reasons. A champion jockey, a fabulous writer, Eclipse Award winner even. He's also, for the last couple of decades, been pumping out some of the best content about Saratoga in the form of the Saratoga Special and the This Is Horse Racing website. He has a little bit of help with that. We'll talk about that, too, in the course of the next uh, half hour or so. I'm speaking, of course, about Sean Clancy. Sean, how are things? Good. Great. It's great to be back in Saratoga. And, yeah, I was walking over here today. I was thinking about back to our history. It was uh, 1997. I think you, came, <laughs> you and Frank Scatoni came to Saratoga. Uh, and through our, through our mutual friend, Paul Wasserman, he hooked you guys up with us and we were renting a house on, uh, Union and Nelson looked right out over Union Avenue. It was you guys showed up with a case of Jenny cream mail <laughs> and a bunch of sheets and numbers. I think it was the first time I'd ever seen like anything beyond the form of, uh, of horse racing. So, uh. We've been great friends ever since and uh, shared Saratoga for sure. Now, I hate to, to let the let the truth get in the way of the story, but you remember <laughs> correctly here, there were only 12 Jenny Cream Ales. Those were for us to drink. We brought you the Anchor Steam. Yeah, you know, it's it's a much better story when you showed up. We said, you, you can stay here. Just what, what do you want? You guys, what do you want? We just, we just, just bring beer. That's all we want is beer. <laughs> And uh, my my friend Chip Miller and I we rented that apartment, and I think by the end of the meet we had run done a running tally of the guest list. It was up in the fifties of people <laughs> at least an hour in uh, in our in our uh, apartment. And I'm sure a couple of yeah. dieting jump jockeys oh, really enjoyed man. all yeah, that. Company. It, yeah, it was. Uh, we we had a couple. We would do like three days of just pure misery, and then kind of spend four days trying to you know like make up for three days of misery, which. Uh, in a funny way, I was creating the misery. So, it was, uh, but it was fun. Do you miss? Do you miss the riding days at all? You hear a lot of stories from former athletes, including 
jockeys where you know that that adrenaline is gone and they they try to replace it with something we've heard from a lot of former athletes who get into the horse racing contest scene because some replacement for that adrenaline how did how did that transition into real life work for you well i had it easier i mean i think i had it easier than a lot of people because i had something to get straight into which was the writing so joey my brother we started steeplechase times in 94 while i was riding races so i stopped i retired in 2000 we started the saratoga special in 2001 so i had it's the believe me adrenaline rush of writing a column and meeting deadlines nothing like an adrenaline rush of riding a jump race but it is still it is still that sense of urgency you still get that kind of desire to be good at something or you know accomplish something or achieve something so for me that was pretty easy um and then the, the other part it took me a little while to figure it out but i miss riding like i miss college right you look back and you say man college was great that was so much fun what a time in my life but you don't spend every day going oh i wish i was back in college right like nobody nobody actually wishes to be back in college but you look back on it as a segment of time and a period of your life it was brilliant that's where you were that's where you were meant to be at the time and that's that's kind of how i've riding races it was just great segment of time and a great period of my life but I don't spend every day going, man, I wish I was out there riding a jump race. I mean, I, I just, I mean, the, the reason you stop is because the adrenaline rush isn't, uh, isn't overpowering the, uh, the stress, fear and pressure of it. And what do you think when you see riders, you know, going on for decades? I mean, I imagine there's a special sort of admiration you have for people who've, who've been able to, to stick with that, uh, as athletes. Yeah, no question. I mean, look, I, my world was very different and jump jack. You can't ride from, you know, you, I basically, I was retired at 30 and you know, the falls you take over riding over jumps for the, and the money you make is, it's just, it doesn't compare, you know, Europe's very different, but here you have a very limited career. Uh, the flat riders keep going. I mean, I'm in awe of all of them. I mean, look at John Velasquez and Mike Smith and, you know, all the, and, and all the back through history. I mean, you look at Shoemaker and, you know, all these guys rode very late and they're very good. And um, I just, I'm in all of that. I just, I think to, to, to stay at that level um, and, you know, riding races, you have, I mean, there's, you don't get, you don't come out of it unscathed. You have the falls, you have the injuries, you have the pressure, you have the, you know, people on you, you're all, you're, you know, you're always on. So for them to be able to thrive like that, I just total awe of what they do. Let's talk for a second about what, uh, what's happened with your writing over the years. And that is, um, it's it's evolved it's you i feel like you continue to get better you know as a as a columnist and it feels like it's less about the grind of getting content out daily and more about you know maybe honing your skills and 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 trying to take it to another level but from your perspective how how has it how has your writing changed in the the gosh i mean 20 years, 20 some years you've been yeah. doing this Saratoga uh, no it's very easy the, the most important thing that ever happened to my writing in saratoga was tom law so when tom law joined the saratoga special that's been got eight years maybe um he took he took so much of the pressure off me dealing with the interns dealing with the daily grind of what we're covering how we're covering it he, he's obviously a very good writer accomplished writer he takes a lot of that pressure off me so then i i got from where i was before tom law i was writing a preview at 1200 words, a recap, you know, on deadline of 1500 words, a column plus dealing with everybody else. My brother is really the glue of it all. I mean, Joe's the one he's, he's choreographing everything. But when Tom Law came along, that was, that gave me a little freedom to concentrate more on my column and more on, you know, one feature a day, as opposed to, I mean, that the first, I mean, the first 10 years of the special, it was like, 
I mean, I was writing basically. Now, nah, I mean, I shouldn't say the first 10 years. The first couple of years, I was basically writing it all. You know, a couple you guys were helping. There's a couple a couple of guys on the side. Tidbits, but, yeah, but it was very much like you were just, you had the whole thing kind of in your lap. So that's made all the difference. I, to actually sit down and concentrate on a column. Like I've, I've, I got a column for Wednesday. I've already started it. And it's like, you know, that's going to be a much better column than come Tuesday afternoon. Go, oh my God, I don't have a column. You know, it's, it's gotta be better. I, th- I think, I mean, I hope. I think, I mean, the results show yes, but I'm curious, like just to, as a, as a fellow writer, how you use that time. I feel like sometimes to some degree deadlines could be and restrictions can be tremendous motivators of creativity, necessity being the mother of invention, etc. But but what are the key factors that make you able to write better with time and how much of the evolution is just a case of experience and seeing more and writing more and practicing more? A little of both. I mean experience for sure. I mean I know now. I mean I spent look, I, I spent the first 10 years of the special getting up every morning and not actually not thinking, not knowing not having the confidence that I could actually write the thing. I mean, I would get up every day going, oh my God, can I write my column today? Can I get this done? Can I, you know, and you walk over there to cover a big race and you think, oh my God, can I actually write this on deadline? Like, can I get what, can I, can I be in the right place and get the interviews and come back and write it? I I really didn't know I could do that. So that was the first part. Then once you kind of get your confidence that you can do it, that makes a big difference. But the key to writing, like I still write, I mean, I still write with that urgency. I still write on that deadline. And, and the key is not, it, you know, you just, you simply can't write your best. I mean, if you have four stories to write in the day, it's just simply not going to be, and they're going to be okay, but they're not going to be your best. It's no time for impossible. revision, yeah, right? I mean, just, I think that's part and of it. And just the, the creative process, the brain power, the ability to, I mean, you can do it. I mean, I, I look, I've written, I mean, I've written 5,000 words in a day for the Saratoga special. I mean, I literally have. Now, were they 5,000, you know, of my best words? No, it's impossible. Right. So like if I'm down, if I write, you know, if I'm down to a column at 800 and a feature at 1500, that's just going to be, they're going to be better than four or five pieces, you know, that length. Coming, coming from the book world, I'm tempted to say there is no writing, only rewriting. I, I would imagine you don't get to do any rewriting on the journalistic side of thing what what, what but, but but at the same time i know you understand the importance of, of revision so oh, how do you yeah. balance that well i mean everything i mean everything i've ever written i look back on it and i see something that i go oh my god i just would i just would have revised that like, <laughs> oh i just wish i did that like even like my one they clips were for the piece on sydney waters this estate auction and I, I mean, I knew it was good. I mean, it was an amazing moment. And there were like his family was literally selling off his stuff just by by the pound. I mean, they're selling silver trophies. They were guys were weighing the silver trophies and buying. It was awful just Ugh. to see a guy's entire career just going up in a matter of you know with a calculator. Um, but so I wrote that wrote that for the Blood Horse. Um, it was called Life's Work, and um, I, I knew it was good. I had plenty of time to write it, and and it's like it's about as good as I could write. There's one line in there that I I did the I did the the, the worst move you can make I I I told instead of show I didn't t- I I you know they say show so instead tell. of tell right and I got a line in there that I told instead of show and I was just so mad at it I actually wrote in there you know you could hit a man's you know mortality right there like you know I was like ah like that was you know the reader reader is reading it going oh my god the man's mortality right there you yeah. know on, on display you don't and need I, to spell yeah, it yeah I wrote that line and I'm so <laughs> mad that I wrote that line I'm just like every time I mean I don't read the I mean. Believe 
now and spend a lot of time worrying about it. But if I read that, that column, I go, ah, oh, that one line. I mean, because <laughs> I done the whole thing like his binoc, like I got his, I bought his binoculars. I literally bought Sydney Waters Jr.'s binoculars for 40 bucks. And they were, they were, you know, the old, remember the old plastic ticker thing that mm-hmm. you can type out with the, with the, with the little letters and you yep. label, it's like a labeler, right? Yeah. And it was like one, and the label on the end of his binoculars is S Waters Jr. You know, and it's right there and they're all scuffed up and it's a leather strap. And, you know, I was like talking about all this stuff and then like an idiot, I write in there like, oh, you know, and it's just drives you crazy. So yeah, anything I, I mean, that goes for every writer. I mean, I think anybody. We could do, that. we could do an hour on writing, <laughs> but before we get into looking at some of the races on today's card, I got to talk about what's going on with you as far as, Horses go. Am I, am I correct that you've never had more in your care? Uh, yeah, I've got a fair amount. And River D Stable is a stable that I've um, kind of really gotten going. I've always dabbled at it, but in the last um, couple of years, ramped that up quite a bit. I've 15 horses in training, mostly jumpers, have some flat horses. Um, but that's been fun. It's been kind of an offshoot of, and I kind of segued a little bit away from the riding and more into the bloodstock world and sold some good jumpers and some good flat horses too. Uh, bought some yearlings and one one client sent me out and let me go buy nice yearlings. And that was a great experience. It's fun. So, um, so the stables it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's like you were talking about before, that is, that's a great way to kind of satisfy your competitive needs too. You know, I think anybody in a professional sport is like, you obviously have that competitive desire, that spirit. So the racing partnership helps that. And certainly, you know, I, I still get the highs and lows of, of racing, just like all of us, you know, it's just, and you know, so that's cool. It's fun. I know a lot of people listening. They're going to accuse me of a host fail if I don't ask you about these horses in your care. Any we want to be looking for to possibly have a bet this summer, whether it's Saratoga or Colonial or or anywhere else uh, along the way. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I've actually got a couple of good jumpers, but they're they're they haven't qualified yet for Saratoga, which has been disappointing. I have a lovely jumper named Awaken that well with Ten Strike Racing. Marshall Graham sure. owns. He was owns in your Strike. seat last week yeah, with Spencer. Yeah. So he uh, he owns a horse named Awaken, who's still a maiden. He's run three really good strong races. Um, so, and, and he'll continue to get better. Shug McGay, yours, uh, Phipps bred, lovely horse. Um, so he's good. I run a, I run a French horse today at Laurel Saranac. He's going to probably need the race once farther. So you can maybe you see how he runs today, but obviously he's, you can look at his form. He wants farther. Um, and a few others got a few new maidens, got a maiden, uh, Philly fits the Jill's pretty good by empire maker. She had a rough trip at Delaware and a maiden race. I bought her out of, um, phasic digital sale. I like her. I think she'll get better. She might might jump eventually, but I like her. What um, might be so, her next port of call? Well, we skipped a spot. We're looking at races. Really want her to go long. She ran a mile and seventy yards at Delaware. Needs farther. Um, so that's the tricky part. My, my horses will tend to want long, and you know it's kind of the vagaries of owning horses that want to go long they just don't the races don't go and you can't find the spots but that's also why you're able to buy them too because <laughs> the right. former owners in the same boat so that's right um so yeah it's fun i mean I, i've got some nice horses and um hopefully we'll have a good good summer good fall kentucky downs any yeah shot? i'd love to go to kentucky downs i mean fitz Joe would love kentucky downs yeah. I mean, she's trained off the farm you know goes to empire maker out of smart strike mayor she's got all all the stamina so she could go there yeah interesting all right wanted something to keep in mind so we've covered writing we've talked a little bit about uh the river d side of things next up we're going to talk about the betting side of things but first i'm going to give you another message from our sponsors starting with our friends at albany distilling company and we didn't plan that but it was so perfect that sean took a a drink of the bloody mary just (laughs) as i mentioned albany distilling vodka because the alb vodka is in that bloody mary here at the brentwood they do a great job 
not just with the, uh, oh, we even have the bottle. Let's you can do a little visual uh, cue here for our pals there, um, Rick and the crew. They also make great whiskey. The In the Money whiskeys that we've done are done in partnership with them. Um, the Ironweed series is consistently good. This is, there's actually a couple bottles of this left. This is a rye whiskey finished in an apple brandy barrel that you can't buy. But if you make a donation to our friends over at the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, you can still probably find yourself a bottle. TRFinc.org slash players for that. Also encourage folks while they're up there, you know, Tri-Cities isn't far from Saratoga and Albany has some great places to go, including the Albany Distilling um, tap room, as it were. Great outdoor space there. They've got the DeFazio <coughs> Pizza in there now, which is terrific. Anyway, really appreciate working with them. We also appreciate working with our friends at Naira and Naira Bets. If you have a friend coming with you to Saratoga, they're, they're a newbie. They don't have a Naira Bets account already. Encourage them to sign up. Use the promo code TOGA200. Free money right in their account. Very, very good thing to do. If you want to follow, I've had a lot of people say, oh, I love the Fox coverage. We love to watch JK. I, I, I can't figure out when it's on. We have created an easy link for you to always see which channel those Fox broadcasts are going to be on for Naira. You just go to inthemoneypodcast.com slash TV, and you can see that. And one other Naira plug we'll put in is for these $300 live bankroll contests every Saturday during the meet. Go to naira.com and nairabets.com to check that out. And that concludes the ad portion of the show. Back with you here at the Brentwood PTF, ready to talk a little bit of turkey, a little bit of specifics with Sean come this Sunday, Saratoga card. I'll ask you generally first, how much time this meet have you found to bet? I know some meets you get more involved than others, depending on your, the specifics of your workload. Yes, some. Um, I actually had a rough start because I got I got here late. And my son came up with me, so I didn't get here early. Uh, and then I got sick the first weekend, so and then I had to take him home. So I've been kind of back and forth a little. I haven't gotten in a great rhythm as far as watching horses train and and watching races. Um, and betting like some years, but that's all right. It's been, uh, I've had a good start. There's still time. Much. Yeah, exactly. The I'm upside of the, exactly. of the 40 days. Exactly. Is there's still exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> but we'll see now how important generally we'll use today. We'll forget generally. We're going to talk about four races today. How much of your opinions today are based on things that you've seen and how much is based on just paper handicapping? I know you do both. Uh, yeah, mine's I mean, a little bit of both, but I mean, my only angle is I've talked to my only angle is from the horsemanship side of it, from watching horses train, seeing horses in the paddock. I mean, I'm, I, I have a hard time the morning of the race because a lot of times my best opinions when I get in the paddock and got to see something, see a horse gallop at a star, just little things like that. That's really where I do my best work. Um, paper handicapping, obviously I can handicap, and but, you know, do I have an – we always talk about value. You know, where's your advantage? Edge. Yeah, where's my edge? My edge isn't really – I'm not going to out-handicap guys on paper. Um, so I constantly try to – include or add you know the the useful horsemanship kind of angles that i've developed over the years that's really that and some days sadly there aren't any i mean really you know i can look at a card and go nah there's no real you know nothing jumps out at me in that kind of respect you know what i mean and we've talked about that there's some days where i'm just like mm, i don't see it like i mean this year i love the horse named tis a giant from mike trombetta i had watched i've watched all his races love that horse tried to buy him as a jumper he came up here running long first time going long it's a big price like that's my kind of angle because i'd seen the horse and i'm following the horse sure. i like the horse so that's where i do my best work well we the, you're perfect for this show because we don't we're not just saying hey let's look at all the races in this pick six we're saying pick some races so the first race that you picked is I'm on the wrong day let me get that corrected race number five um, and this race is an allowance race. We're going long on the turf. I probably could have guessed that this would have been <laughs> one that you would have picked a mile and three eighths on the inner for these fillies and mares. 
we do have a scratch in here, the number 10 you can take out. So a field of nine will go postward. Why did you pick this race? Uh, I just have one, one angle that I like at Saratoga is when you have horses who have been shipping other meats and having success. And it's something that I've kind of picked up over the years. So if you see a horse shipping into Belmont and running well, then they get to Saratoga and they're actually here on, on, on site. I just think it's a, it's a big advantage. So I like Queen Bourbon a little bit because of that. She shipped from, 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 Kentucky to Belmont one going a mile and three eighths. I like she's coming back going a mile and three eighths and she's here. So I, I just, you know, like in the steeplechase game, you know, we ship to most of our meets, but occasionally you go to a place where somebody actually is stable. Like you go to South Carolina, a guy Arch Kingsley based, based in South Carolina. And he's just hard to beat when you go to Camden. And a lot of it's because he's based there and everybody else ships in. So I like this Philly. She shipped up to Belmont one. Now she's here. She's had a work here. I, I just think it's a little bit of an angle that you can play when you come to Saratoga, when you get those trainers from Kentucky based here, you get Fairhill trainers based here. I just think that's a little bit of an angle. So I kind of liked her at a big price, you know, 10 to one morning line. Look, I'm not, you know, obviously you get, you know, the, the Chad Browns and Irad Ortiz. I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't have to point those out to you. Uh, capital structure's tough. I think Baby Vice very good at Shugs. I thought that race was very impressive last time. I think she she liked the trip too. So I would use, uh, I'd go a little one nine, uh, kind of combine those two. Um, you know, again, I'm trying to find a little value, a little bit of a different uh, look at things that, you know, you might not, you know, everybody might not pick up on. So when you, this is a good example of something we've been talking about a lot about betting strategy. When you have a, a 10 to one shot like Queen Bourbon, you mentioned pairing in the exactas with Baby Blythe. Would you also use capital structure just because even if you don't think she's going to be um, a tremendous value bet, she's just based on human connections, based on numbers, so likely to do well in the spot? Will, will you have some one sixes as well as some one nines? Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, it really depends on how much you want to put into the race. And, you know, if you got enough, if, if you got enough money to put in, yeah, you better, you better cover a little that way. I just find sometimes when you look at like, you know, Chad Brown, we obviously know is so good. You know, he's a 30% trainer. And I think sometimes if you look, you can actually look at a horse they train, you know, this Philly's two for seven. So she's actually not on the high end of his percentage. Right. You know? So, so I think sometimes when you see a horse of, 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 you know, Todd Pletcher, Chad Brown, those type of trainers that do win at a huge, at a great percentage, if you see a horse that's not actually winning at the Barnes percentage and it's going to take money, I mean, this horse, you know, you're not getting any value on this horse. Probably so, going to be shorter than five to two. You would think just yeah. I read catches money. Chad of Brown course. Catches right. money. So I, that's what I, you know, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up, you know, you try to beat those, those type of, you know, scenarios. If you can try to beat that, you know, a little bit in races. I'm not going to do it every time because you go broke trying to beat Chad yes. Brown and Irad and Clara mentioned <laughs> these guys. I, mean, I understand that. But I think there are times when you think, okay, here's maybe an angle. You know, this Philly's good, but she's, she's stuck in the condition. I mean, she's been in there a long time, you know, she's 0, for, 0 for 3 to 2 other than levels. So, you know, maybe you can try to take her on again. I like what you're saying, though, where, you you know, you're certainly not one you're going to key, but still you don't need to cut off your nose to spite your face either. You can use when you have the right opinion to go with it. Let's pivot to race number five, where we've got uh, two-year-old maidens going five and a half on the dirt. There are some stories around in this race, Sean. Have you heard any of the stories? 
have you seen any of these in the flesh? Uh, I the one that really stood out to me was Prank. I just thought her her breezes have been great. Um, she broke sharply the other day, kind of eased back and then then finished strong. I think she was very very impressive in her in her breeze. And I'll give you another. This is another angle of mine. I'm, it's not always it doesn't always necessarily work, but it's an it's an angle that I like. I think I've found some success with it. It's when you see Luis Saez show up on a first time starter for not one of his normal. Uh, stables, not for one of those big barns. Again, they're going to take money. You see Saez on Pletcher or Brown or even Mott or Clement or wherever. You know you know they're going to take money. But I thought he was interesting on uh, Dagmar from the outside from Wayne Catalano. I haven't seen the Philly. Um, I haven't seen any of her breezes. Unfortunately, I wish I did. Um, but I, I think that's an interesting angle. Out of all the jockeys, um, that's one. When Saez shows up on a barn, that, on a first-time starter, on a barn that he doesn't normally ride for, it, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just something I think you can be aware of. Yeah, yeah, it's a signal. And I think, um, I think Kieran McLaughlin's agent is very good at kind of finding the right first-time starters um, to get on. I'll tell you what, on the show the other day, Mark Kramer made the case, and it's hard to ignore looking at the results. It doesn't matter that this was a you know leading rider here. He's been under the radar as far as the betting public yeah. goes. He's been on a lot of long, long shots. No, so exactly. no, this could sure. be another example yeah. of that too. No, exactly. I mean, I, look, that's where you you know you're just trying to come up again. If you get a little, if you get some value there, I think that would, I just thought that might be an angle that uh, that might work. I thought you know watching the breezes, I thought high class. You know, she her second uh, she was she Bantera ran was second for Steve Asmussen earlier in the meet. They worked together. Bantera was much better. Uh, looked like this Philly needed the re- needed that work. Now, you know, she might've come on quite a bit from that, but um, she was some, somewhat interesting. Um, Certainly speed and precocity over speed and precocity with into mischief and street. Boss exactly. And yeah. I mean, I think she's, she's, uh, she's good. Obviously, you know, Steve Asmussen's uh, barns on fire. Um you know, is uh, obviously capable, but I, I just thought Dagmar was something I, I might just keep an eye on. To, you know, it's, yeah. it's just as an as an angle. But I thought prank in the morning works. I thought prank were probably the best. Yeah, that's the that's the one I was. Which is not. Yeah, to. I'm not giving you anything. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's nine to five in the morning line. Everybody's seen what I see, so uh, that's not. We'll see how it plays out. If you can get the uh, Dagmar up in there, the eight up in there, and the number could still turn into something. We got a few minutes left, Sean. Let's pivot and talk about these stakes races. Going ahead to race number eight, the grade two Bowling Green. We've got runners going a mile and three eighths on this firm inner turf. We did have a scratch of uh, number five in here, which leaves, and, and we've said this too many times with the, the, the graded stakes program at Saratoga so far, just a field of five going postward. We'll save that tangent because we're running low on time. Maybe when we do our recap, you, I usually bother you for the recap at the end of the yeah, meet. We can talk right. about the national. And I don't think it's just a Saratoga problem. No, no, I think no. there's a, a national problem with the graded stakes program that's uh, in in many ways leading to this situation where we have such short fields um and it's also it's an international thing too if you look at the field yeah. for the king george the other week um anyway let's talk about the bowling green who do you think is going to win i kind of like highland chief again with that angle i was using before you know he, he was shipping up to belmont running there i just thought you know he's here maybe maybe he's, and I, I thought his last trip wasn't very good um i Agreed. think this trip will be better um you know he got a little a little up in the bridle the last time just it just didn't work out quite right um, I thought he was. Uh, I, I'd probably, I'd probably land there. Uh, you know, you got to hope Arklow needs one. Although, you know, Brad Cox is very good off the layoff, but you know, that's what you're going for. Cross border, you can't beat how you know his record at Saratoga is just off the charts. So obviously, he's a tough horse. But it, it's a trip race, and it's, a, it's a rider's race, and who, who, who rides the best race? You know, where's the speed coming from? I think that's interesting. 
Um, but I, I, I could see Highland Chief being right up there, you know, stalking from the outside, maybe stalks um imperator maybe goes but um i thought he was interesting you know again a little bit of a price maybe people aren't a lot you know he's my pick as well on with Trevor, yeah, so. he's my pick as well and that's right i mean it's a tactical race it's in and i think people will correctly perceive it as a as a jocks race and i think that just the betting public is going to probably gravitate towards jockey's war and trevor not any offense to him just because he's not as well known of a name but he knows how he knows how to ride no horse. he's a great rider i mean he, he he's he's gonna you know he if he if he stays healthy and stays he's gonna do great in new york as we know he's a good rider i have all the faith in a guy like that and again you're looking for value i mean yeah. you know that's where you're trying to come up and with. you know the manhattan was messed up right channel maker doesn't break moving just goes out there he yeah you know i don't know if it was it was orders from the barn or his decision but obviously dropping anchor like that didn't suit the horse or the way that race was run no, I think it's going to be a very different story. Well, it was a big field. And they kind of ran up behind him, and he, he got shaved off a little, and he just got up in the bridle. I think that's why he finished a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, he just finished Minutes. a little evenly, you know, maybe not as strongly as he could. I think he could have been second in the race if he did if he didn't do the stuff around the first turn. But again, with a short field, he's probably not going to have that those kind of problems. So I, I'd love to see him sitting, you know, sitting second right off of a horse and getting getting first run and. Uh, you know, I, I, I like him just again a little bit of value. Um, I think he's a cool horse. Uh, I like it. I'll be I'll be rowing in with you on that one. One more race to talk about the Grade Two Amsterdam, um, which is a, a kind of a funny one because a a man who's not running horses here this summer still has a cast kind of a shadow over the race. Mr. Bob Baffert with several runners that were uh, once trained by him in here, including a horse that we haven't seen since the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile. That's Corniche, a horse I've, I think, tried to beat every time he's run. It hasn't worked out very well to me, for me, but I'm still going to do it again yeah, here tonight. Try it again. Man. Is he going to kick sand in my face, Sean? <laughs> try it again. Yeah, what do you think? I think it's a fascinating race. I, mean, I, I just, when you get these horses coming back, like Pinehurst and Corniche, but, you know, they're really kind of distance horses. They're coming back on six and a half. So, I mean, this track's very heavy. A horse are getting tired on it. So, in a way, I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, horses off of, off of a break might get tired. But then you got these stamina-type horses that, you know, stamina mean, I mean, they've won going two turns. So, maybe they don't get tired. Uh, Corniche is breezy. Is that you know he breezed with Nest um, two back. Nest was going better than he was, but then next Nest which, is a superstar. Yeah, which, I mean totally understandable. Next breeze I thought was very good. Um, I don't really have a strong opinion in the race. I don't think I'll play the race. I think I'll stand back and watch it, and uh, because I just, I just think just I, I would go against um, Accretive just because you know he's trying this second time, second start of his life. Comes out of a maiden race. I know Chad Brown's very good. He's obviously very confident with the horse, but you know you got to take a stand somewhere. So I'd probably go against him. Um, but I, I think it's just a, you know it's very typical. It's Saratoga. You, you get the Amsterdam nine horse field, and you get a couple stories like this: Corniche coming back, New Barn, Pinehurst coming back. You get a second time starter, Chad Brown's. I, Gunnights are cool horses. Steve Asmussen's. Uh, I just think it's an awesome race to uh, as a fan. You just yeah. uh, you just enjoy it. I had a note on Pinehurst. Now, I haven't seen him lately, but I had a note on him going into, I think from maybe it was from the paddock at the Breeders' Cup. I absolutely loved the way he looked, just like very athletic, but I didn't think he, I thought he looked more like a sprinter than a router, more like a seven furlong type horse. So just based on that note and the fact that he apparently has been training well, I'm going to probably bet him, but I haven't seen him in the flesh. For all I know, he's changed and now looks like you know, he wants more ground, et cetera. But though the, the, the spotting of him at six and a half suggests maybe my note was correct. What, 
Yeah, I haven't seen him in the flesh. I mean, I have actually, you know, Del Mar, and I didn't go to the Breeders' Cup. Obviously, wasn't in Dubai or Saudi Arabia, so I haven't actually looked at him in the flesh. I, his breeze was great up here. I mean, you couldn't fault that. He just, I mean, he just cruised around there, big, strong, powerful horse. Now, inside posts, a little bit of a, you know, that's a question. Not easy. Yeah, it's not, it's not a great post for him. Um, again, I, I just think it's an awesome race, and um, you know, if you have an opinion. Use it because there's a this horse is going to be taking money. If Creed is going to take money, Corniche is going to take money, Pinehurst will take money. Um, if you have an opinion in here, I mean, it's a great race to have an opinion. Yeah, I'll take a little bit of a shot with Pinehurst. We'll see how it plays out. Sean, we're out of time. Thrilled to have you on. We'll do it again. If we, if your game, we'll do our end of the meet yeah. chat. We'll give you maybe a day to recover, and then and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll jump back in. How often are, are you going to be? I'm, I'm actually doing Sky Day, so I'm not going to be over there. Are you actually racing yeah, I'll today? I'll be racing today. I'll, I'll go racing pretty much the rest of the meet. I got, might have one road trip to take, but I'll pretty much be here. And day. just one more t time to give the plug in Saratoga Special. You can find it all around town, especially over at the track. This is horse racing is the website. You should be reading it daily. You're going to find insights you're not going to get anywhere else do we leave anything out no that's strong it's uh, it's fun to be back fun to uh i mean i literally was walking over here today thinking about you know saratoga over the years and uh, it's been it's just to share it with your friends that's really the best part that's what it's all about come have some drinks with your friends here at the brentwood we'll thank sean Clancy for our time we'll thank all of today's sponsors including albany distilling company jelly water and naira bets and uh who am i leaving out no i'm not leaving anybody i already said the brentwood good stuff this show's been a production of In The Money Media. Oh, one more special shout out to Craig, who's not producing today. That's why the graphics are all wonky. Um, so happy to, that he's getting married today. Sorry we can't be there, but it's going to be a great day. And we appreciate you and we'll thank you even in your absence, producer Craig. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>